Wrestling Federation magazine. Here's update. All right, hi again, everybody. Last week, you saw the big matchup between World Wrestling Federation champion Hulk Hogan and challenger Ted DiBiase. In that title defense, Hulk Hogan was victorious. But let's see what happened immediately following the match. seeing that footage, it's ironic that Hulk Hogan's Hulkamaniac will battle Ted DiBiase's million-dollar team as part of the Survivor Series in Chicago on Thanksgiving night. More on that later in this hour. More updates. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production.
everybody's gonna pay. Cause the million dollar man always gets his way. <laughs> Cost a lot. But I'm the million dollar man. And you will be bought. <laughs> to the Hogan Era Podcast. I'm your host, JP John Paz. This is, of course, a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire, a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting feed. Today on the Hogan Era Podcast, we're focusing in on another a great feud, another legendary feud for the Hulkster, and that is, of course, with the one and only million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. For those new to the show or maybe forgetful, the Hogan era was from 1984 to 1993, a part of the golden era of professional wrestling, part of the Hogan era of dominance and the Vince McMahon era of dominance as they got a real stranglehold over professional wrestling and turned Vince McMahon into a very, very rich man. The billionaire that you see today was created by the Hogan era and of course, it was his platform, but without the Hulkster, don't think you're quite getting the whole kitten caboodle. I don't think you're getting as much money as you would have. He is the golden goose. He is the cash cow. He is the man that made it all possible. And when you think about the Hulkster and how much money he brought in, he was able to do it with many different feuds. And that's why we're all the way up here on episode 25. And we just continue to talk about feud after feud after feud and how much money they all generated and how much money he generated for the WWF. And at this point, it's funny when he starts feuding with DiBiase, he's got like three or four feuds going on at once. I mean, he had the macho man feud. He's got the DiBiase feud. He's still kind of feuding with Andre. He's got boss man, Hakeem on his heels. He's got bad news. Brown. I mean, there's so many different feuds and, and then Zeus. I mean, it's so pretty much amazing to see what hulk was able to do and what he was able to pull off and if you think about it, it's like wow like this one guy is generating all this money and all these feuds and all this interest he was the main cog in the wheel you take him out you're not going to be able to generate that much money you're not going to be able to generate that much interest he had you know six feuds going on at once and they were all generating money and generating interest and generating house show revenue which was the big thing which we talk about every week that was the whole thing you see it on tv and then you got to get to the arena you got to spend your money in person to go see the wrestlers in person live and in color buy the merch you know take the pictures you know whatever you gotta do but you want to see them live and go into those live events and that was how they made their money now today is completely different with the tv rights fees and that's how they're really able to make money and the network and selling to saudi arabia and different things like that i mean that's how they really generate their money today much much different from how they were generating all that money years ago when it was mainly the house show business and mainly off the back of hulk hogan we talked about in the jake roberts episode how much money he didn't make from not working with Hogan. Like if he was able to work with Hogan, he would have made so much more money. And he realized that. And he jokingly said, well, it's a fan's fault. They were chanting DDT or he was getting too much of a, of a baby face reaction and Hulk wasn't getting as much pop. So of course he just cut that off. Jake doesn't get the big push. You put somebody else in that spot, like a Ted DiBiase perhaps. And then you kind of go from there, but it's just interesting to think like, wow, 
these guys know how much money they made with Hulk. That's why they absolutely love the Hulk. You'll always hear a lot of the guys talking about, oh, I don't know if I like his character. I don't like Hulk the person. But man, when I was working with him, I made so much money. I love him financially. He was able to do so much for me. And Vince, believe it or not, he's definitely feeling that same way. And that's why he's still under that Legends contract that he is today. Vince is, you know, knowing that he could still make money off Hulkster, still make money off of Hulkamania, still make money off the brand, and knowing that all these outside ventures like NBC, Fox, and Saudi, and all these big-time marks that, yes, they may be the guys with all the money, but they are huge marks, and they definitely do love the business. They see Hulk Hogan as tied to the program. They want Hulk in some capacity, some facet. They want to be able to work with him in some way and realize those were the glory days. That was the Hogan era. To getting to Ted DiBiase, it just going all the way back to 1979, is when they first had their really first match. 12-17-79 at Madison Square Garden in New York City on the MSG Network. Hulk Hogan defeats Ted DiBiase in 11 minutes by referee's decision. So that's really the first match that they really had in the WWF. But as far as the Hogan era, the first match that they were really able to have was 8-23-1987 at a house show in the Nashville Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. Hulk Hogan defeats Ted DiBiase. They'd have another match at the fairgrounds in Nashville, 9-26-87. And then we'll kind of get into more matches as we kind of go through. But it's interesting to think, even with Jake, back-to-back months in Providence, Rhode Island. So each almost town or each area was getting a two-month little program or a two-month little house show feud with the Hulkster. And then it would kind of grow off from there and kind of blow the steam and kind of blow downhill, if you will, of growing the feud and creating that snowball and building up that bigger feud. The Jake, obviously, like we mentioned on the previous episode, please go check that out. That was cut off because they didn't like where the direction was going and what was happening. So here they did the two month feud with Hogan in a different part of the country. You do it in Nashville, you do it in Tennessee and see what happens from there. They like what they were seeing. So then boom, you continue it on and you go to Houston and Oakland and Las Vegas and Omaha, Nebraska, and and so on and so forth. And we'll get into all those matches, of course, as we get through here on the Hogan era, and specifically on Ted DiBiase. But it's just interesting to think like, okay, they always are kind of testing out different markets and putting different Hogan feuds in different places. You remember Kamala was a different place than where the One Man Gang feud was and where the Killer Khan feud was. Very interesting. And if it works, then he's Vince, meaning Vince, will start spreading around the world and start doing the different matches all over the place. If they don't like what they say, they're probably going to cut it short like the Jake feud. And it's going to end right in Providence, Rhode Island. Such an interesting, unique model. And it was all framed upon. It was all wrapped around Hulk Hogan. And it was all framed and wrapped around him making them so much money. So really, if you think about Ted DiBiase, there was a bunch of matches that they had together. I mentioned it too in Asheville. Once we get to October of 87, DiBiase starting to get a really big push. He defeats Hulk Hogan by a countdown in 10 minutes at the Houston Coliseum, Houston, Texas. Then we go to Oakland on 11, 12, 1987. DiBiase again wins by countdown. Then we go to Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas. The next night, DiBiase wins by countdown again. Then we have the Wrestling Challenge 67 dark match. Ted DiBiase, WWF title match, defeats Hulk Hogan by count tap. Match goes about 14 minutes. That's in Omaha, Nebraska. Then we have 11 two matches. So we're doing some back-to-back and belly-to-belly here as DiBiase defeats Hogan both matches. One was the, um, the halfway of the show, the... Um, I'm forgetting my the, the word for it, the intermission, excuse me, the intermission main event, and that was in Hartford, Connecticut. Then it goes to Toronto, Ontario, and you got the main event, main event, and DiBiase wins by Canada on both those matches. So DiBiase is getting quite a big push. He's getting quite a big run here as he keeps getting win after win after win over the Hulkster as we're setting up some rematches and really kind of giving him a push whether you realize it's not, he's getting a gigantic push on TV as we head towards WrestleMania 4, as we head towards the tournament. So DiBiase is going to be the big-time heel, the main heel, obviously, with Andre the Giant, going to be the two top heels in the WWF at this point. So what I mean by when I said on 11 87 they had two house shows on the same day, Hartford and Toronto, Hogan would a lot of the times work twice a night. He'd work the intermission main event, 
or maybe earlier on the card and then boom leave that town and take a private jet and they'd fly to another town and then he'd be in the main event there i mean wow what a schedule but that just shows you the drawing power of the hulkster he's drawing two towns in the same night selling them out and being able to make a ton of money and a ton of revenue and profit for the wwf from one night one feud and dibiase obviously would take the of chair with him and they'd fly to toronto and they'd have the match there he's getting a lot of key wins here i know it's house shows but you're getting big wins over hulkster and that means a lot i don't care if it's count out dq whatever you're getting a win over hulkster that puts you in the main event that makes you a star i know bruce pritchard has talked about this i know vince mcmahon kind of created the quote and i know pat patterson has talked about this before hogan's job is to get these other guys over it doesn't matter how they're beating him they're beating him by dq and the, by count out at this point at this time that means a lot any win over hogan is absolutely huge a win like that nowadays might not mean as much or might not be important and you might kind of lose some context there but back in that day there it is super important just the fact that hogan is working with you he could be beating you on these house shows and saturday night's main event and pay-per-views and all this other stuff but the reason that he's working with you is because you're drawing money with him and and it's very important and it's very key you're going to get a lot of heat beforehand and build it up and maybe hogan's going to get his comeuppance and beat you on some of these shows but it is very big of you to even be in the ring with hulk at this point he's giving you the rub by being in the ring with you he's really has a just a gigantic gigantic level of importance can't stress that enough that you're even in the ring working with hulkster is huge so they would have an expression for this pat patterson bruce pritchard and vince they would call it hogan dust hulk spread your hogan dust on this guy this is what was happening here and bruce has been quoted as saying this i know pat patterson says before he was his job here hogan is with the help of andre you're going to help get dibiase over and you're going to spread the hogan dust on him he did the same thing for macho man and anytime you can have a program where you're feuding with andre the giant it's going to be gigantic how do you get other guys over in the feud well you insert dibiase you insert macho man and boom they're over like rover they're over huge and guess what they're both main eventers now they're going to main event wrestlemania 4 they're going to main event wrestlemania excuse me wrestle fest 88 over the summer they're going to main event SummerSlam 88 i mean these two and obviously hogan and, and savage would be kind of just surpassing DBS. Well, Hogan, of course, did, but DBS would be surpassed by Savage at a certain point. But still, in these main events, he is the main event draw. He's in the main event of Survivor Series 88 as well. He is becoming a huge main event player. Hogan spread his Hogan dust on him, and bing, bang, boom, DBS is in the main event. He's a main eventer. We go to 11 25 87. DiBiase would defeat Hogan by count at Providence, Rhode Island. Then we get a rematch in Houston, Texas on 12 11 87. Hulk Hogan will defeat Ted DiBiase, defending the WWF title. He beats him in about 10 minutes. It's a pretty cool tag match on 12 27 87. Bam Bam Bigelow and Hulk Hogan defeat King Kong Bundy and Ted DiBiase in Toronto, Ontario. So Hogan gets a little bit of revenge there. 1 15 1988, Hogan defeats DiBiase in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Then on 11688, the next night from the Rosemont Horizon and Rosemont, Illinois, aka Chicago, DiBiase defeats Hogan by DQ. And that match goes 11 minutes, 30 seconds. Then we have a huge match on 12588 from the Anderson Square Garden, MSG, New York City. It's going to be on the MSG network. Bam Bam Bigelow and Hulk Hogan defeat DiBiase and Virgil in about nine minutes there. Then they have a superstars taping match from Hershey Park in. Hershey, a PA, 126.88, the dark match, part of the Superstar 75 taping. Bigelow and Hogan defeat Andre the Giant and DiBiase. Same match the next night, same, basically the same outcome, but that one is from Salisbury, Maryland. Then, of course, the Prism Network, you have the same match, 2.688. Bam Bam and Hogan defeat Andre and the Hulks, excuse me, Bam Bam and Hogan defeat Andre and DiBiase in 10 minutes. That, of course, was on the Prism Network from Philly, PA. Then we have a bunch of those tag matches going all across this great nation. Boston, Minneapolis, Pontiac. They have another match in Chicago. You'll have a match in Denver. You'll even throw Jim Duggan in the mix at the Cow Palace. And then DiBiase's partner would be Virgil. And they have that same exact match in L.A. Then you go back to DiBiase and Andre against Bam Bam and Hulkster. That was from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We'll have a big lumberjack match on the prism network in philly pa 3 12 1988 hulk hogan defeats ted dibiase about six minutes lumberjack rules interesting stuff there but really here 
DiBiase would work a bunch of house shows against Hulkster in the winter of 1988 before his really his real main big push was to be coming. So he's working all these shows with Hogan. I mean, he's doing tag matches, doing one-on-one matches, Hamilton, Ontario, Montreal, the summit in Houston. We got a superstar taping 84 Hogan and Duggan defeat Andre and DiBiase from Cape Girardeau, Missouri. That was superstars 84 taping the dark match. They have a match at Springfield, Illinois. I mean, we're constantly, constantly building this up as we get to WrestleMania four. And of course we have that big tournament, Atlantic city, New Jersey, 1988 WrestleMania. Each man goes through the tournament. DiBiase gets the finals. Macho Man Ray Savage gets the finals. And with Hulk Hogan's help, perhaps a bit of a cheating uh, aspect involved here. I know Andre and DiBiase were cheating throughout the tournament. So what's good for the goose is good for the gander. It's all free, free and good to me. As Hogan nails DiBiase with the chair as he had the Million Dollar Dream on Savage. Knocks DiBiase down and out. Savage goes to the top. Nails the elbow. One, two, three. Macho Man Randy Savage is your WWF World Heavyweight Champion. He wins the gigantic tournament. He is now christened the main eventer, the top guy, the world champion. Obviously, Hogan's in the rear view. But not really because he's there celebrating with Ms. Elizabeth. And Hogan did help Savage win the title. Of course, you still got DiBiase and Andre to reckon with here as they are definitely not happy at all. But let's rewind just a bit. So we do have a big time moment here. And we're going to go to Andre the Giant. This is right before the tournament, obviously leading into the tournament. But Andre the Giant defeats Hulk Hogan for the WWF title February 5th, 1988, on edition of the main event. This broadcast ended up being watched by the most wrestling fans ever in history. And this audience was amazing. Drew a 15.2 rating, which was 33 million viewers. The championship bout, which of course aired live on NBC, saw Andre and DiBiase steal the championship from Hulk Hogan by using Dave Hebner's twin brother, Earl, to help him secure the victory and a quick fast count. After the match, Andre the Giant would then surrender the WWF Championship to Ted DiBiase. DiBiase worked three house shows as WWF Champion, was announced as WWF Champion in the winter of 1998, excuse me, 1988, before his championship reign was stripped from the record books, but the Million Dollar Man almost had a chance at working many more shows as champion, but it was stripped to him by Jack Tunney. It was just interesting to think because obviously the pictures are out there. He's announced as champion on the house show but it wasn't meant to be. It's weird that it's stricken from the records. It should not have been stricken from the records. He still should be recognized as the WWF champion because many other champions have had their belt handed to him, Triple H. I mean, there's many different circumstances where they still had their belt handed to him, but it was still counted as a championship reign. I feel like it's unfair that it was stricken from the records because he technically is the champion. Jack Tunney, of course, says you have to be stripped. The way Andre won it was unfair, so technically he's not the champion. Hogan kind of still should be champion, but he isn't. There's too much influx here. You could say Andre has a right to the title, but the whole Oral Hebner twin debauchery, I mean, the, the trick, the cheating. So does he really deserve to be champion? I don't know. It's not really fair to say. So Jack Tunney's going to do the only thing he knows to do, and that's create this big 16-man tournament, WrestleMania 4, and put the vacated WWF title on the line. And like I just went over it, obviously, Macho Man is the champion. Honky Tonk Man likes to say that Savage was going to win back the Intercontinental title, and he didn't want to lose to Savage. Then DiBiase was supposed to win the tournament, and he was going to be the world champion. Savage didn't like that. So Honky Tonk Man is not happy. Savage is not happy. DiBiase is not happy because he wasn't the champion. So they end up creating a million dollar belt. He becomes the million dollar champion. So, wow, he's happy. Then Honky Tonk Man's happy because he's still the IC champ. And wow, Savage is probably the happiest because he gets to become the World Wrestling Federation champion. I don't know if I'm buying that as much. I don't know if that's true. At this point, they did not have the heels going over on WrestleMania. So that's where I don't think DiBiase would have been the world champion. They always and the kind of test of time would tell you this, they really didn't have heels winning at the big show for 16 more years. So I don't think that's necessarily true. So I don't think that DiBiase was going to win. I think they had this million dollar belt planned all along. And I don't think that they were going backwards with Macho because that would mean that he'd go backwards to the IC title. 
and that would mean that you know honky tonk would lose and that's fine and you know i wouldn't have the greatest reign of all time which would be ended many many months later at SummerSlam 88 by the warrior so i just don't think they were going backwards with savage i don't think that story is true they were going nothing but forward and they were going to create the mega powers and the mega powers exploding so i don't think that um that was in the cards i do think savage was always planned to win the tournament create another star another main eventer and he would be champion for one full year with DiBiase still feuding with him, but having his million-dollar belt and having a claim of being the million-dollar champion. Unfortunately, his title belt got stricken from the record, record books. So we'll go all the way to SummerSlam 88. The Mega Powers, special guest referee, Jesse the Body Ventura, defeat the Mega Bucks, Andre the Giant, and Ted DiBiase, 14 minutes, 8-29-88, Mega Powers, where the Mega Powers meet the Mega Bucks, Madison Square Garden, MSG SummerSlam 1988. Great stuff there in MSG. And obviously, like I just mentioned, Warrior would be defeating Honky Tonk Man and getting a huge pop for doing so here as well. So as we move along, 9-8-1988, house show in Springfield, Mass. Hogan defeats DiBiase in 16 minutes. On Nesson, 9-10-88, Hogan defeats DiBiase in the Boston Gardens. Hogan would then defeat DiBiase in Auburn Hills, Michigan, and then Chicago, Illinois, then Landover, Maryland. And then we have a house show in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hogan and Hercules defeat DiBiase in Virgil. That would be on 10-28-1988. Of course, we have Survivor Series 1988 from the Richfield Coliseum in Richfield, Ohio, 11-24-88, Hercules, Hillbilly Jim, Coco Beware, and the Mega Powers, Hulk Hogan, and the Macho Man defeat Hakeem, King Haku, Big Boss Man, Red Rooster, and Ted DiBiase in about a half hour. That's a great match. That's my favorite Survivor Series match of all time and probably my great favorite Survivor Series team of all time as the Mega Powers end up getting the victory there. The next time that Hogan and DiBiase would be in the ring together, 11589 Royal Rumble 1989 from the summit in Houston, Texas, which of course was won by Big John Studd, last eliminating the million dollar man Ted DiBiase. Then, of course, Hulk Hogan defeats Ted DiBiase. 921-1989, Saturday night's main event number 23 from the Riverfront Coliseum in Cincinnati, Ohio. They would, of course, continue their big feud. Into Survivor Series 1989 from the Rosemont Horizon in Rosemont, Illinois. That would be on 11 89 The Hulkamaniacs, Axe Smash, and of course, Jake the Snake Roberts defeat the Million Dollar Team, Ted DiBiase, the Barbarian, the Warlord, and Zeus. That match goes about a half hour as well. And in the buildup to this match, DiBiase was kind of imploring after Savage and Zeus were kind of done together. They had a little bit of team up with DiBiase and Zeus, and DiBiase was imploring Zeus to break Hulk Hogan's neck. Then the next time, of course, would be Royal Rumble 1990 that they were in the ring together. Hogan wins that one. That was from the Orlando Arena in Orlando, Florida. Then we'd have Survivor Series 1990. We'd have the ultimate match of survival, three-on-five handicap elimination match. Hulk Hogan, the ultimate warrior, and Tito Santana defeat Hercules, Paul Roma, Rick Martel, Ted DiBiase, and the Warlord. That match goes about 10 minutes. The ultimate survivors were Hulk Hogan and the ultimate warrior of course the following time that they were really in the ring together was royal rumble 1992 which of course won by the nature boy rick flair winning the vacated wbf world heavyweight title that was at the knickerbocker arena in albany new york so the next time that this feud would really occur would be a tag feud the mega maniacs bruce beefcake and hulk hogan versus money inc Erwin R. Scheister and Ted DiBiase, which is interesting, but I will get to that in a second. Just want to bring up during an interview, Ted DiBiase said the original plans were for he to defeat Hulk Hogan in the finals of the tournament at WrestleMania 4 and embark on a title reign of his own. It was discussed that I would somehow underhandedly end up in the last match with Hulk Hogan and screw him to win the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. DiBiase explained, but along the way, it was almost like I think people expected that because as it is in wrestling, sometimes can be uh, can be a little bit too predictable. Hogan, obviously, after beating Andre, he was the man. He's the champ. He's the king. He's Mr. WB, Mr. WBF. So the WB or WBF primarily wanted you to cater to the kids. And at this point, it's all family entertainment. They wanted Hulk Hogan to be the champion. They wanted your champion to be a good guy as much as possible. It was the formula. It worked. DiBiase then continued to say, but there was a thought of having me screw Hogan and then have a run 
with the title and have a run with Hogan, with Hogan chasing. Usually a heel champion in WWE wouldn't occur back then. Back then with somebody who was a tr transitional champion, if you were going to be a heel champion, which DiBiase means there, it's going to be a short stint like uh, Ivan Koloff only held it for you know a short amount of time. Stan Stasiak for a short amount of time. Iron Sheik for a short amount of time. Heel champions primarily in WWF were just a transitional champion to get the belt from one babyface to another with them in between. He either gets the belt and drops it to the new babyface or he drops it to the guy he, who he beat for the belt. It was Pat Patterson approached me and said, Ted, here's why I've been thinking. He ran all these things by me, which I knew which was the standard deal. DiBiase, of course, was one of the top heel performers in wrestling during that period, and a championship run would have been incredibly memorable. Longtime fans of wrestling often felt DiBiase deserved a longer run with the belt, and he should have been you know, a, a, the champion of WWE's top prize for longer than those few days, and he should have been recognized. It's also almost interesting to find out that it almost uh, happened with a victory over Hulk Hogan at the biggest show of the year. That would have been interesting, and ultimately this would have been you know, kind of remaining in the fans' eyes and as one of wrestling's greatest what-ifs. Like, what if they gave him the title for long and that he was able to get that run? What if they continued on with the tournament and DiBiase won again, proving that this medal of him just being this heel, maniacal character, be able to buy and sell whoever he wants, be able to cheat his way to the title and win that title at WrestleMania 4? You know, that's another big kind of what-if. Just an interesting moment. I think everything happened according to plan and ended up making a ton of money. As they found out, when Savage was champion, there was no dip. It was as, it was almost as if Hogan was still champion. They were still making a ton of money, and he really did an awesome job as champion, a macho man. That's why he'll live in lore forever as being one of the greats of all time. Just continuing on with DiBiase, the Mega Maniacs and Money Inc. would have a feud that would go all the way till Hogan's end of his run. It would go three months from March of 93 all the way through June of 93, and they would have some big-time feuds. Of course, I have to mention they had a match in Lakeland, Florida, where the Mega Maniacs won. Then when the Mega Maniacs were, were going after the tag titles held by Money Inc., it would kind of... I culminate, but the big match was 4 4 WrestleMania 9. The biggest stars in the world are coming to Las Vegas from the Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Money Inc. ends up defeating the Mega Maniacs by DQ. And that match goes about 18 minutes there. Interesting to note, of course, Hogan comes back in the night, beats Yokozuna for the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. They would have matches in Pittsburgh and East Rutherford and Philly and Minneapolis, and Albany, and Richmond, Virginia, and Indianapolis, and Columbus, Ohio, and Boston, Massachusetts. A lot of these matches were won by DQ, and they were all won, of course, by the Mega Maniacs. Mostly, they're all won by DQ. These were all WBF World Tag Team title matches. Hogan and Beefcake obviously weren't going to win the title at this point, so they have to win the match, give the crowd their go-home happy, but they're going to have to not win the title, so winning by DQ is the best of both worlds. Now, interesting to note, the last match is on 6-26-1993, Boston Gardens, Boston Mass, Boston Mass, the Mega Maniacs defeat Money, Inc., and Sergeant Slaughter is the referee. This was not a title match, so they were able to, to get the pinfall victory there, but just interesting to note that Slaughter is the referee there. Just want to mention 5-22-93, just to backtrack here. I know I mentioned the last match, but I wanted to mention this one. Excuse me, 5-22-1993. The Mega Maniacs defeat Money, Inc. at this house show from the Brendan Bird Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And they won by DQ. Wanted to mention that because a young 10-year-old me was in attendance there with my dad and my brother. Awesome show, awesome night. Macho Man Randy Savage also fought the Giant Gonzalez on this show, oddly enough. Had the Steiner Brothers and a bunch of other good matches, but it was just awesome to be there and see Hulkster live in East Rutherford, New Jersey, in my home away from home back on May of 1993. So there you have it, folks. I mean, that's the Hogan era in a nutshell. Hulk Hogan versus Ted DiBiase, a long feud, a great feud, and an epic one to be honest. I mean, really, from 1987 to 1993, just showed you what a heel DiBiase was and showed you the great amount of money Hogan was to be able to make with DiBiase, and that's why they were able to continue to feud. Unbelievable stuff, and that is one of wrestling's great what-ifs. What if DiBiase won the title, and what if Hogan and company were chasing him? Just uh, an awesome thing to kind of conjure up and an awesome thing to think about and look at 
look back on. But the record book doesn't show it, but I continue to say it. Ted DiBiase is a former WWF World Heavyweight Championship winner, even if it is only for a few days. So let's hit the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com, and of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Thank you, everybody out there, for listening. See you right back here next week for the Hogan Era podcast. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip where the power lies brother. This is Dick Graham along with Lord Alfred Hayes and the non-stop action, which is a key word of the World Wrestling Federation, is never more true than at this point in time because Going back, we don't want to belabor the point, but it's so important in the World Wrestling Federation, the whole world of wrestling buzzing over the turn of events recently at Indianapolis, and you can see in the ring now why this is one half of that controversy. Lord Alfred? Well, some time ago, Ted DiBiase said he was going to buy that championship, and by golly, it looks as if he has. Well, let's get the bell, let's get the announcement. bout scheduled for one ball with a one-hour time limit. Introducing first from Grenoble in the Prince Elf, weighing in at 520 pounds, the eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant. His tag team partner is accompanied by his personal bodyguard, Virgil, making his winter residence in the Netherlands Antilles, weighing 250 pounds, the Million Dollar Man and new World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion, Ted DiBiase. Well, fans, like it or not, he's got the belt. Their opponents seem to be making their way to the ring area. First, accompanied by his manager, Oliver Humperdinck, from Asbury Park, New Jersey, weighing 390 pounds. comes the Bammer. and the champion or former champion on Andre the Giant. Hogan goes straight for the Giant and he's got him down. I don't know. Ref referee Jumrella has a right he has a Pier 6 brawl on his hand. In the meantime, Bam Bam is dealing quite efficiently with the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Hogan and the referee and now throw a big oh. boot there to DiBiase. And now Hogan wants that measure of revenge. His belt. He knows that DiBiase bought it, and he wants him at any price. Well, DiBiase and Bam Bam Bigelow in the ring, but this come out to a flying start. Oliver Humperdinck, the manager of the tag team outside the ring, near us. Ted DiBiase tries to take a swing at Bam Bam, misses, but Bam Bam apparently is not going to miss. Oh, boy. Bam Bam holding him high in the air there. This is what this is what Hogan's wanted ever since that event at Indianapolis. And Hogan is dealing with the two of them now. A heavy right in the meantime sideline the giant. The giant 
coming up behind him. Oh. A race across the eyes by Hogan. Jones Hogan is on it. And the guy's down. He is a man crazed. Hogan is not on a tear. He's a man absolutely crazed. And now Hogan's not what he wanted. Ted DiBiase in that ring. A who is the headbutt. champion by himself? He floors the champion. And Hogan covers him. But he's not yeah. winning him. And now it's the two guy. on one. Andre in. And Hogan deals with him just in the same manner. Hogan's having everything his way right now. Absolutely everything. Uh-huh. Hogan says, look out, here he comes. Wham bam! <laughs> oh, right that head right into that's, the head of Bam Bam. That's one way to get yourself up in the morning. And that's a pitch coming in now. Clothesline! A great clothesline. He tags in, bam, bam. Well, this is a, this is a happening, fans. You don't see this more than once in a lifetime. A, a little double teamwork here. Oh, two big boots. He thought they were going to do a clothesline, and they gave him a, a twin-size oh, team. A great headbutt, and DBS in all kinds of trouble. He can't make the tag. He's he on the wrong side. He, he wants to make a tag, but Andre's on the other side of the ring. Follows him up. A great deal. How much more can DiBiase take? The million dollar man isn't worth a penny at the moment. For sure. Virgil outside can't help him. Andre the Giant can't help him. He's in the bad part of town. Here's DiBiase. Oh, nice karate God. chop. Oh, you could hear that chop all the way down the east coast. You know, to the west. I've got to say, He's Andre. Down. Andre the Giant doing Trapped a headbutt on. He does a headbutt on Hulk Hogan. Hogan got trapped then on the outside by the Giant, and the Giant didn't, but there was no tag made. The referee's trying to get the Giant out. He's just Bill Hogan is being caught, trapped in there. They double up on him. And now the referee's attention is being diverted, unfortunately, by Bam Bam. And it's a double going on. Well, now, a big clue to the Giant on the draw. He's got to break that. Boy. Andre was the giant smashing the head of Hulk Hogan off the top turnbuckle with a karate chop into the arms of DiBiase. And this place has gone crazy fast. And now it's Hogan taking a lot of punishment over the hands of DiBiase and, of course, the giant. And there's a question now of how much the former champion can take. Well, treat it the way you want, Lord Alfred, but I still say Hogan is the champion, although he's ruled out that Andre, if you will, DiBiase is the champion. Uh-oh. Well, obviously, there's going to be a very, very deep investigation into it, but we all heard what our announcer, Mel Phillips, said. He said he is the new heavyweight champion. We How that argue. could come about, I don't know. I don't know. But he is the champion. You've got to re recognize that. I don't know about you, Dick. I'm completely perplexed by the whole thing. So am I. So are the fans. We'll hear more about that, I'm sure. Our head fuck. DiBiase battering the head of Hulk Hogan against the head of Andre the Giant, who steps over the top rope and in. And again, they've trapped Hogan. I wanted to say they've trapped the champion, but of course I can't say that, because Hogan doesn't have that beloved tag team, that beloved World Heavyweight Championship belt. Well, Bigelow, I know he's upset for his partner, but all he can do is stay out of the ring because he diverts the attention of Joe Morello, the referee, for what's going on inside the ring. The Giants trapped Hogan in the corner, and DBS is coming across for a charge. Oh! oh. line across the throat. Down uh, goes. Heavy clothesline. And Hulk couldn't escape that at all because he was trapped most securely in that corner. Look at Hulk. He had so much endeavor, so much spirit, so much courage. Well, well look at the way. Ted DiBiase is the, just flaunting himself in front. I don't know how, but the referee's okay. got to take more of a charge here. Oh. Close line on Hogan by DiBiase. Somehow or other, you really have to say DiBiase's also got to be admired because he took a tremendous pounding at the opening of this match. And yet, look at him now. He's back again, and he's looking very, very strong. Well, Joe Barella looking right in the eyes of Hulk Hogan saying, you submit. Where are we here? And the... Hogan says, no way, Jose. Hogan needs to make that tag. If he can get just a breather on the outside for a couple of minutes, he can come in a new man. 
He's all three curves. He's down on no, both knees in the center of the ring. I don't know if he can make that tag or not, which is going the wrong direction at this point. Stevie has his manager. That's a mistake by Andre. He's pulling the referee around. They could be disqualified right there and then. Well, they're still in the near middle of the ring. I don't know. DiBiase still maintaining the pressure on the head and neck, if you will, of the former champion, Hulk Hogan. And sapping all the strength from him, that arm going down. And down, Hogan getting weaker and weaker. That's one time. Well, the fans are the chanting. He's trying to gain. He's trying to gamely hold that arm up, which he does. He's showing signs of a recovery here. Andre should be warned back in his corner by one by the referee for one thing. Hogan stopping desperately to come to his feet. And everybody here urging him on. Fans, his fan transfers, if you will. Trying to give him their energy. Hogan's had all that resolve from the champion. He's back to his feet. And Dibiaki is struggling to keep him. Bam Bam Bigelow got their partners are both down the center of the ring. They both clothesline themselves. And it looks as if Hogan may get to his corner to make that most important tag. He's going, he's struggling hard. And he's getting awfully close to this corner. There, the tag made. Hogan up. DBS is backing off. And that huge Goliath Bam Bam comes in, rams him into that turnbuckle. Clothesline, and down he goes. Clothesline. here again taking a lot of punishment. He's gonna press him. Press slam. That's his That's a long way to press. Pull him right up there. Big slam. Oh! Virgil, Virgil tripped Bam Bam Bigelow as he started away from the ropes. Tripped him. And what a heavy blow that was, Bam Bam took. And now Bigelow's in the bad part of town, sandwiched right between Andre and Ted DiBiase. Tripped by Virgil there. That's right. Right when he was doing such that. Oh my word! Close line, all that weight hitting the Close floor. Close him so hard he jackknifed the huge Bam Bam. And when you jackknife like that, Dick, it knocked all the wind out of you. DiBiase going to the top rope. Whoa! Body slam. A huge body slam. And now here's Hulk wants to tag. Tag me! Tag me! Virgil upset now, so is DiBiase. DiBiase's taking a lot of punishment. And Hulk's telling you got my belt, take this, take this. It's payback time, fans, as it always is. And the people are going absolutely wild here. Join him in. Caught him with a 514. Coming, oh, Andre's in. And a clothesline, and he's, Andre's he's got tied up. Up the giant top, a leg drop on DiBiase. Just a fantastic pinning maneuver there for well, the former champion. Andre, Andre DiBiase will no part for these guys now because look. Let us get the official word on this as soon as we can. Well, you've got Dibiase right in front of us with a cradling the belt in his arm. And I guess that's what it's all about. They were despicable act by Dibiase. He bought everybody. I could say he bought the referee. I might be out of line there. He definitely bought Heenan. He definitely bought the Giants. He didn't buy Hogan, but he certainly bought that championship. I'm telling you, fans, and Hogan says, I want that belt again. Baby, I need another shot at that. are on their feet, nobody's sitting at all. A standing ovation for 
Van Dam Bigelow and the former champion Hulk Hogan shaking hands with their manager, Oliver Humperdinck. Don't you love it, fans? Doesn't it exhaust your fans? But don't you love it? Hogan's got a lot on his mind. And look at that man there. There they go up the tunnel. There's Andre. sitting. Right now, Dick, everybody's a holster. That's right. Little, big, small, big, fat, everybody. You know, I think it's a morality play. The people are upset the way DiBiase and Andre got the belt. That's what they're upset about. They know it was illegal, it was not fair, but these are champions. I'm talking about Hulk Hogan. Look at him. This place is coming apart at the seams. For my money, he's still the greatest professional athlete in the world. Presidential aspirants love to have this kind of an adulation. He rolls right over, nails him, got him, Heinz right the eye, and it's all over. <laughs> Dick Graham here at ringside for Lord Alfred Hayes. We'll be uh, back with more wrestling excitement direct from the Spectrum in South Philadelphia right after this. You're watching Prism, your channel for exciting movies, exciting sports.